0: Welcome back to the Live Loud Life uh, Podcast. My name is Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life Podcast. And today we have Sarah Wands on, uh, and she, we're going to be talking about dentistry and holistic dentistry, functional dentistry. We're trying to come up with like what the name really is, but you know, it's one of those things that's kind of sometimes buzzwordy, but uh, welcome. Thank you. And I'll let you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about, you know, your past, your your. Um, not your CV resume per se, but like sure. what you've been doing and uh, what, what are you doing now?
1: Yeah. Uh, so thank you for having me. First of all, um, I love you guys' practice and I feel like we've known each other for a while. Uh, but uh, so I'm Sarah Wands. I've been in dentistry for 10 years as a dental and surgical assistant. Uh, I just recently left after the birth of my daughter. She's now coming up on a year and a half. Uh And so I really wanted to fuse my background as a certified holistic nutritionist as well as my experience in dentistry to offer holistic dental coaching. So that's what I do now. Uh, It's essentially private coaching related to oral and dental health.
0: That's awesome. Uh, And so we were kind of chatting a little bit before, you know, getting a little bit of background, kind of helping me get an idea of where we want to go with this. And what you had just mentioned was really great because and and rightfully so we give credit to certain professions based on mm-hmm. more or less the um the letters behind the name right yeah. which is which is fine and good because they've gone through a lot of schooling and everything like that uh but even like within our profession you get to a sometimes complacent level where when you're talking about I'm going to back up. We were talking about – this came up with about a pediatrician talking about the whole crawling CDC guideline. That's like another whole thing. But it was essentially like we saw kids – we've seen kids that are fine and have no health issues because they didn't crawl. I'm like, I understand that, right? And you can see healthy or people being without disease, without intervention, but some people – want a different lifestyle. Some people want to be more proactive. And I think the dental coaching is great because, I mean, realistically, from what I remember about my dentist telling me was brush your teeth and floss and come in every six months. And then you occasionally, which is going to lead us to our first question, uh, do a fluoride treatment because you need this in order to not get Mm -hmm. cavities and have healthy teeth. So on and so forth. Usually, oh, this is a different one that didn't come up. Listerine and different yeah. things like that yep. to kill off gingivitis and mm-hmm. gum disease and things like that. And uh, it sounds like there's a little bit more to the story, huh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say that those general approaches and recommendations haven't changed much. I, you know, I think slowly in different areas, dentists are starting to shift their focus onto supporting the body more versus, uh, disinfecting, like you just said. Uh, but I think dentistry really mirrors the medical approach in general with what it's doing. And I, I think we're just a little bit behind on current information.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, on that, let's kick it off with with fluoride sure. right that's a big one um for um m- you know those our family your family uh, very similar to some people that are coming into us who are wanting less toxic type of things, right? Now, our body can handle toxins. This is like the big argument, like, well, we're exposed to toxins and all these things all the time. But as you had already indicated, even with other things, there's an accumulation level, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're doing repetitive things such as fluoride treatments or having it in toothpaste so on and so forth. So what's the what's the 411 on fluoride?
1: Yeah. So, you know, with fluoride, I think we've all experienced it in, I would say, three main ways. Which would be, you know, in our toothpaste at home at the dentist with, you know, the little painting or the tray, swishing yeah. or the tray. Oh, the trays, the foam trays. Right? Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> just sitting there foaming out of the Yeah,
1: mouth. it's just you're just dying as a kid. Um, and then the third way being fluoridated water, which most communities have at different levels. And it's uh it's kind of been touted and it's a strong belief within the dental field that it's absolutely essential for preventing decay, especially in, you know. Poverty level communities, uh, however, the actual evidence and research doesn 't support those claims so and that 's not to say that fluoride doesn 't harden the teeth, it does, but in order to harden the teeth, it actually has to pull minerals further out from the teeth, so it creates this kind of issue so ah, without without getting too short. crazy without getting too far deep <laughs> uh, s- fluoride can actually weaken the teeth more so interesting yeah fluoride can actually weaken the teeth more so and they did a really interesting a pretty large study they audited uh multiple practices um their insurance billing Mm -hmm. and they wanted to know okay for practices that did more frequent fluoride treatments on kids did they have a lower incidence of cavities and needing fillings and they could not find a correlation So, of the offices that regardless of if they had, you know, high and frequent fluoride treatments billed Mm -hmm. for their kids, they didn't have a lower incidence of cavities.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, the thing that we are assuming it is doing, hardening teeth to prevent cavities, it's not actually doing.
1: It's not happening. And you look at how much we've raised the level of fluoride, which is completely unregulated and not tested for safety, by the way, it has not correlated in a you know lower incidence rates of of decay in in any community
0: what are obviously a little bit more of a deep dive of it could be possibly a bunch of different things but what are some of the big concerns of high levels of fluoride
1: so uh specifically with uh, fluoride in water lines is a big issue for your body because it not only are you getting it when you're drinking it out of your tap but you're also getting it with any bottled juices you know, babies, whenever you're mixing formula together, anything that's packaged that has water in it, that's going to have a fluoride mm. factor to it, unless it's been purified water. Um, and what they're seeing with that is they're seeing in- increased rates of ADHD in those communities, especially women who are pregnant and had frequent fluoride exposure. Their babies have higher levels of ADHD, autism, cognitive disabilities, speech delays. So it really, it really affects your brain development um, in those earlier years, especially.
0: That's interesting. So going back to now, it, assuming that it was supposed to be doing the hardening teeth, what and this is, you know one of the things we were chatting about beforehand as well is like what then would. Parents like us do when we have kids who obviously want to eat certain things, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But if we don't want the fluoride treatments and we're trying to be, you know, mindful of filtration and things like that, what are the ways that in which we can harden the teeth to prevent decay, cavities, so on and so forth?
1: Absolutely. And that's where I come in, really, because just like you said, so many parents and families are becoming aware of the effects of fluoride and they want to avoid them. But their big question is, okay, well, if if we're not doing fluoride, what do we do? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so my big approach is, you know, it's looking at why are your kids getting cavities? Why are they, why are their teeth experiencing mineral loss? Um, and so that has to do with, of course, diet, different functional habits, oral function, like mouth breathing, um, sleeping with their mouth open at night. Um, And just different other lifestyle factors. And so just for general prevention, um, I mean, it really comes down to diet and making sure that their mouth isn't hanging open all day long.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then as far as, uh, I guess a consumer product, cause obviously those things take time to work on and, and, yeah. and first and foremost need to be diagnosed and actually looked at, mm-hmm. but most of us assume and know good daily hygiene for our oral health is good. Right. Sure. Obviously brushing, brushing and flossing. So in, in terms of like, outside of dealing with deeper dive things of diet and Mm -hmm. life or sorry, breathing and different things like that. What are daily practices that you recommend people do to, to help in conjunction with the lifestyle things you're changing? Yeah.
1: I, and I think that's going to be pretty standard across the board, you know, without looking at individual factors, I think, uh, you know, as far as in the morning you want to you in general, you don't want to brush within 30 minutes of eating. Um, You could brush before eating. Nobody really likes doing that. But, you know, if you're going to wait until after breakfast, wait at least 30 minutes so that your pH and your mouth can balance out a little bit. Okay. Because you don't want to start brushing your teeth when they're in a demineralized state. Interesting. Yeah. So your teeth are at their weakest uh, right directly after eating. So I would say, you know, either brush right away or, you know, have your breakfast and then brush. Uh, Mm -hmm. Brush and floss. Um, you asked what, you know, if people are avoiding fluoride in their toothpaste, then they can really go with a hydroxyapatite toothpaste. And a hydroxyapatite is essentially the mineral that makes up the majority of our teeth. So when you have that in a toothpaste on your teeth, it can actually mechanically fill in Mm. to weak spots in your enamel. So brush with hydroxyapatite. If you, if you don't, rinse it out after that's ideal, floss. Um, If anyone, you know, is working on balancing their oral biome, sometimes they can do, like, either an essential oil mouth rinse or uh, a brand I like is BrioTech mouth rinse. That can be helpful. I know a lot of people like their mouthwash, so that's a a really great swap. Um, But without talking about diet stuff, throughout the day, one of the main things to focus on is after you eat – helping to balance the pH in your mouth and getting those minerals back on your teeth as soon as possible. And without even making significant changes in your diet, two ways to do that is to eat hard cheese at the end of your meal. Okay. Yeah, um, and I can explain that more if you want to, but eating hard cheese at the end of your meal, um, it, it helps to balance the pH in your mouth, make it more alkaline so okay. that those acids aren't you know working their devilry all day but it also supplies a lot of the minerals that your teeth use to remineralize right after you eat. So, as wild. There's actually some really cool research about other countries. They did a study with kids. They didn't change their diet. They didn't have great diets to begin with, but they didn't change their diet, and the only thing they changed was adding one ounce of hard cheese after they ate and their cavity rates dropped. Like significantly. What
0: would be an example of a hard cheese?
1: So like cheddar cheese or parmesan yeah. or and it can be like goat or milk or yeah, you know, yeah. cow or whatever. Interesting. But um that can be a significant impact, believe it or not. Um the other thing that's a great thing to integrate is xylitol gum. Okay. Uh xylitol helps neutralize acids in the mouth and Helps the teeth get back into that remineralization state. So you know, for kids where obviously picky eating is an issue, right? And it's mm-hmm. hard enough as a parent trying to help your kid eat a healthy diet and an ideal diet. But if if you c- couldn't change those things, or maybe you co-parent, or you know you have other guardians that and you don't have full control of their diet.
0: Yeah, yeah, grandparents.
1: That yeah, exactly, <laughs> grandparents. We already know. You know, if you can get them to eat like cheese after meals or just send your kid with some xylitol gum. Yeah. Interesting. It's a great mitigating factor for those tough diet changes.
0: Uh, before I forget, going back, the hydroxyapatite. Is I yes. say that, right? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some brands that people can look up that have that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because not all gra- brands are great, actually. So uh, hydroxyapatite toothpaste brands I love would be Risewell. And there's a small company, like a family-owned company out of North Carolina, called Happy Tooth Toothpaste. Mm. They both have hydroxyapatite options. They're really great.
0: Now, being that they – that in particular is the mineral, correct, mm-hmm. is the mineral <clears throat> that the tooth is mostly made of and that, that's going to fill in the demineralization mm-hmm. as you go. Is anyone creating a – because you talked about mouthwash too. Is there a way in which – or if anyone's doing like a like a mouthwash where you – swish it around and you try to hold it or Mm -hmm. you, you know, I don't, you know what I mean? Is there anything outside of just gum in which hydroxyapatite and xylitol, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, can be applied and used uh, to help with that for maybe someone who has a more serious case of demineralization or something like that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Both of those companies actually have mouth rinses that have- Oh, Okay have uh, xylitol in there. Um, I look at mouth rinse, and and I like to distinguish between mouthwash and mouth rinse because mouthwash is more of clearing out bacteria in your mouth uh, and the good bacteria as well. Mouth rinses, I like to look at more of as supporting your, your mouth's natural biome. So whenever people do have you know, more chronic decay issues or, you know, gum disease or periodontal issues, a mouth rinse can be helpful if it's, you know, xylitol or more neutralizing essential oil-based.
0: Okay. Nice. That's, um... I just had a question. I apologize. It literally just ran out of my head. (laughs) Um, So we were – oh, mouth. so the bacteria, that's what it was. Yeah. So very commonly, as common practice and encouraged by at least when we were younger, dentistry and things like that, Mm -hmm. is the mouthwash. So your Listerines and your things like that. So that's zapping everything, right?
1: Yeah. You know what's interesting about most mouthwashes on the market, uh, even prescription ones, is they're actually acidic. So completely counterproductive to what you want to have in your mouth.
0: So why are they prescribed then? Just that you're killing bacteria, right. but you're killing good and bad. But the right. thought is that if you have too much bad, then that's what's going to be causing an issue.
1: I I don't think that conventional dentistry really uh, acknowledges the existence of the oral microbiome in general. Mm-hmm. They don't really honor that you know environment in your mouth. Uh, so what they know is there are spe- specific strains of bacteria that cause cavities, periodontal disease, gingivitis, bad breath, all of those things and so their thought is okay, well let's just kill those. Mm-hmm. But they don't respect the fact that there are certain strains of bacteria in your mouth that you want to keep colonized. And so when you bring in something like Listerine or mouthwash, you're really just disinfecting everything and it it just creates more of an imbalance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. like taking antibiotics in your body regularly
0: yeah well and going back to um which we did a previous podcast if anyone is interested we talked about holistic dentistry for tongue ties with dr liz turner and lakewood Mm -hmm. Um, so this comes back down to how does the bad bacteria grow diet lifestyle mouth breathing can you touch on some of that and how that obviously just like our poor diet and everything else can mess with our gut microbiome how does diet, and mouth-breathing affect with our oral microbiome.
1: Yeah. So just like any other microbiome in your body, like your gut microbiome, everybody has like lots of different bacteria in their body any given time. Yeah. Uh, and say, same thing for your mouth. So you really just want – you don't want that overgrowth of the bad bacteria. You want that kind of balance happening and, you know, leaning on the good bacteria being more predominant. So – There are a lot, there are different theories with that. You know, a lot of conventional dentistry will point to, you know, acidic foods and sugars, and they just tell you, like, brush and floss more, which disrupts those strongholds of the bad bacteria, yes. But then they tell you, you know, snack less, cut your sugar, don't eat acidic foods, which isn't realistic for most people, granted, but it, all of that misses the part of supporting the good guys. You know, what can Mm -hmm. we do to support the good bacteria in your mouth without blasting, you know, antibacterial washes in there. Um, and, um, you know, that can come down to it. There are different factors like mouth breathing. You know, if your mouth is dry, your mouth is open, that is just a playground for bad bacteria to flourish. Uh, so, you know, if you sleep with your mouth open at night, clenching and grinding, Um, during the day, even people notice that that's a huge factor and certainly acidic foods and sugar are, are a factor as well. But, you know, eating neutralizing foods like fresh fruits and veggies, um, fermented foods are a great source. Anything with dairy is fantastic. Mm. Um, anything mineral, mineral rich with bone broth is going to be great too. So, I try to tell people, "Take care of your mouth like you would take care of your gut because what's happening in the gut is going to show up in the mouth eventually, and vice versa
0: yeah yeah um do um, with the with with the fermented foods, right mm-hmm. So just because I know that's, that's amazing for microbiome. biome. So the, mm-hmm. essentially all the things that we're saying for the micro gut biome is going to essentially affect the oral cavity as well just because yeah. we're consuming it directly from there, right? Yeah. That's awesome.
1: You know, the, the only nuance there, of course, because there's nuance in, in everything, is for someone who's experiencing inflammatory gut issues, leaky gut, IBS, things like that, you see those issues with your gums and your oral tissues as well. And for those people, sometimes um, uncooked fruits and veggies and fermented foods aren't appropriate for them yet. Mm. So, you know, that's something to take into consideration as well. You know, whenever someone has any kind of chronic disease in their mouth, gut health should be one of the first things people look at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the only time I would say that, you know, it's not the same for everyone
0: now. This, <clears throat> from the previous episode, right? So one thing that I have not done yet, because I know I have a tongue tie,
1: I can see, I can see yeah, it when you talk, <laughs>
0: <it's>, <laughs> and I have a tongue thrust, and uh-huh. I, I am habitual mouth breather. Like sure. during the day, I and I catch myself, but there's, you know, a, the underlying cause has not been addressed. I just sit there and I'm open, mm-hmm. and when I, when I, uh, when I sleep, I know I sleep with my mouth open, and I've tried mouth taping, Mm -hmm. but it's so hard for me to breathe through my nose that then I just rip it off at night because I'm just not getting enough air in. So I have not done the thing that I know I need to do mostly because it's, it's a process. Right. But for adults, right. You're kind of like, well, how do you know these things? Like the conversation of tongue ties and these things seem more prevalent when you're talking about kids per se, mm-hmm. but as an adult, you do have to realize and understand like there's still things that can be done. I'm not too far gone, right? yeah, <laughs> but, no. but there are underlying things that sometimes you need you know additional support for or intervention for or if you want to call it micro surgery. I don't know what if that revision sure. would be called microsurgery,
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, you know, having oral ties can show up in a it looks different in adulthood. You know, it can – because at that point, you know, some people have already experienced a lot of dental work because of those factors. And so, you know, they've probably been told at that point that they just have bad teeth or soft teeth or whatever. Um, Or they clench and grind or they have a lot of different body tension or migraines. And so, it looks a lot different in adults because they've had that issue for so long. But it's definitely not – too far gone at any point you, like you say obviously the first step for helping you breathe at night would be like okay well let's tape your mouth until you can you know look at your underlying causes root causes are important but let's help mitigate where you're at right now mm-hmm, mouth mm-hmm. taping is great unless you can't breathe through your
0: nose yeah right? yeah and then you're just suffocating
1: <laughs> right which it adds an extra step for you it means you you have to go to an ent yep. an ear nose throat doctor and they have to scope and make sure there's no obstructions which is critical for kids too because you don't want to tape your kid's mouth and then they can't breathe at night.
0: For sure, yeah. For, you know what I
1: mean? As adults, you have more control and awareness over it, but it just adds that whole extra step, which I know is great for you.
0: Well, and that's what's great about Dr. Liz Turner at Fox mm-hmm. Point Dental she has the imaging capabilities to look yeah. at airway obstruction and everything, which is good, which is I need to get in. I need to get in. It's what I need yeah. to do first and foremost. Yeah, but- because they
1: can take a cone beam scan, a 3D scan, and they can see your nasal passages and your throat with an ENT uh It's a little bit different because they can evaluate you while you're laying down. They can see exactly Uh, what your airway is doing and what your nasal passages are doing when you lay down, when you, when you relax. So it's different, Um, but the scans are definitely helpful for diagnosing.
0: Well, and and I'm sure because I on on any given basis, like when we go to get our dental checkups and cleaning, which is pr- this is prompting the next question is I I seem to always have way more cavities than Nichelle does. Now she's definitely better at flossing than I am. I will admit that. Excuse me, mm-hmm. but um, I do think it has to do more so with the fact that I am constantly mouth breathing, yep. bringing in the bacteria. Everything else you had talked about. Excuse mm-hmm. me, okay, I hiccup.
1: Yeah, because when you nose breathe, you're your nasal passages are that filter. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you breathe through your mouth, you Nothing. don't have anything to yeah. stop that
0: bacteria from coming in. Which fortunately enough, I don't get sick a lot, but when I yeah. do, I get sick sick, but it's like I don't, awful. I don't get sick a lot even though I do a lot of mouth breathing, mm-hmm. but that being said, I have and again, bad apples in any profession, right? So, yeah. you know, we got to we got to call that what it is. But uh evaluation evaluating and diagnostics for Cavities and dental health. I have felt that there's been a stronger shift towards relying on more technology to do that. I.e., X-rays. Mm-hmm. And we we're talking about all of this beforehand too. Is um, when do uh, when would someone, you know, maybe speak up and, and say like, hey, it seems like we're doing a lot of x-rays. Are those needed, right? Or, you know, kind of just being that advocate, obviously, for more so for your kids. Um, or even as an adult understanding, it's just like, it seems like that's a lot of x-rays to rely on for finding cavities as opposed to the dentist actually doing an examination and looking. So is there a benefit to doing the x-rays um, uh, in general as a screening? Is there benefits to doing x-rays to seeing the underlying silent cavities that are apparently under the enamel that could be dealt with before they become big cavities.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, we could go in so many different directions here. you know, let's just start with, you know, we were talking before we started about different philosophies on x-rays and it's hard as a patient to know what's needed and what's too much. Mm -hmm. So my best advice is when you're, you know, finding the dentist you want to partner with, you know, ask them what their philosophy is on x-rays. If, they're, if their philosophy is led with what your insurance will pay for, office policy, that's not going to be a best fit for you or mm-hmm. your kids. The kids, especially under seven, are really, you know, you want to protect them from radiation as much as possible. A better approach for x-rays. X-rays, first of all, are, they are an important diagnostic, you know, tool to have and we'll talk about that in a second. But a better approach and philosophy to look out for if you're if you're looking for a dentist is risk based assessment um, and their level of prevention. Some dentists are more aggressive, some are more, you know, watch and wait. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if if you know and they know that you really don't get cavities much, you don't have a lot of dental work, you you have a pretty good diet and you take care of yourself, you probably don't need x rays that often. You know, and I'm not going to give a frequency. You have to work that out with your dentist. Yeah. <laughs> but if if you know and they know and you have a history of cavities at every visit or you've had a lot of dental work done, if you have implants or root canals, crowns, bridges, you're going to need more monitoring. Monitoring. Um, and there are other different diagnostic tools, but there's really not a great way to see cavities starting between the teeth unless they're too big, other than using x-rays. Um, But x-rays, their purpose isn't only checking for decay. Um, It's not always a great sign if your dentist doesn't take thorough x-rays. You know, as a new patient, it's really a good idea to have a full set every five years maybe. Mm. One, you know, one that shows everything because Mm -hmm. what's important is that they're also looking for any jaw cancers, any cysts, um, evaluating the bottoms of the roots that are not seen on routine x-rays, um there are different you know especially if you're having your airway evaluated you know those 3D scans can be important but having that full scan is important for for cancer checks and looking at any you know the bottoms of your roots especially Um so you know it's hard if you get cavities a lot or if you've had a lot of treatment you're you're going to need more monitoring Yeah and uh it's just it really comes down to philosophy i i would say yeah um but you know if you if you're someone who does need x-rays more frequently you know doing things to help support you know glutathione levels and just cellular health in general upping your vitamin c around that time can be really helpful
0: that's fantastic yeah um What are some of the, uh, some of the, what are, what are, you know, one or two of the main things we might already touched on them. So it could be like, yeah, what we said about this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. But if you were to boil it down, top one, two, maybe even three, like what are the top main tips? If you were, you know, like you see the blog post, three best things, right? But like you're kind of like, you know, kind of like your, kind of like your anthem, the thing that you like to really, talk about and 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 make sure people know when it comes to general, good, holistic, functional, whatever you want to call it, oral health. Like you're like, these are the things that I really encourage people to look for and do.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, that's a good one.
0: And you already touched it like diet, right? Lifestyle. Obviously like starting from start starting from the bottom, like making sure the foundation of what good obviously health is cuz you could do, you know, we said we talk about it similar to like to like you use weight loss as an example, right? Like you could be working out as hard as you want, but if you're not eating well and if you're not sleeping well, you're not going to get results, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, so you cannot outbrush your diet.
0: That's, that's yeah it's that's a bumper sticker right oral,
1: there. <laughs> oral hygiene is not the top can like factor for what determines if you get cavities or not mm-hmm. uh, your dentist might tell you otherwise uh you know their only advice like you said before is brush and floss more and you might get shamed into you know you might go and you're like hey i'm brushing and flossing a lot all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and they're like i know you're not because yeah. look at your mouth and you're yeah. like i swear and it just turns into this Guilt trip thing every time you go to the dentist because you're like I swear I'm doing this but it's not working. It's because you cannot outbrush what's going into your body. So if I could, if it could only be three things, it would be mouth taping if you can, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then getting minerals and fat soluble vitamins. Mm. So if if you're not getting magnesium, calcium, phosphorus into your body every day. And you're not getting enough vitamin A, D, and K especially, vitamin K especially, then your teeth are never going to have the mechanical tools to rebuild early decay Mm -hmm. in the enamel weak spots.
0: And then as a side note, we talked about fluoride, right? What's the best way that you have found or or products that help filter the normal levels of fluoride that are put into most water sources mm-hmm. that we see.
1: Yeah, so you know what's interesting about fluoride in the water supply um just there's such a it's such a huge topic but the EPA is actually currently in a lawsuit. Oh. For unsafe fluoride levels in the water lines. So that's a whole separate thing. If you want to look into <laughs> the lawsuit that the EPA is dealing with right now, because it is a it is interesting to say the least. But I, if it's accessible to fil- filter your fluoride, I mean reverse osmosis is going to be the gold standard. There are a lot of other countertop sh- countertop options like Berkey Aqua True is a reverse osmosis on your countertop. That's gonna get the most fluoride out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if that's not accessible, doing you just buying water, bottled water that's been filtered is gonna be the next best thing.
0: Do the do, I mean I I don't have those now, but it was like in college I thought it was like the thing that was best, you know, good enough. But like, do the Britas and those things do much of anything?
1: No, they don't touch fluoride.
0: They don't touch fluoride. What they, do they filter out? I
1: mean. They t- they take out chlorine to okay. an extent and some of the hard minerals and you know some percentage of the heavy metals, uh, but they they're not going to get you know like different types of bacteria out and I mean they might get a mild amount of sediment out of your water, but unless your filter is specifically taking out the fluoride, mm-hmm. I mean, you have to look for it. It's not going to work to have an attachment on your faucet or a pitcher, unfortunately.
0: Gotcha, It It's gotcha. taste
1: better because it has less chlorine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great.
0: Uh, well, that's all the questions I had. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we wrap up?
1: You know, I would just say that the reason why this, you know, profession came up for me is – there's such a wide gap between, you know, conventional dentistry. People have their dentists that they like, they're great dentists, but they're missing the boat on true prevention and nutrition guidance. And a lot of people don't have access to biological dentists and, you know, the, the care that they're looking for, for whatever reason, distance, finances, etc. cetera. And so I love being able to bridge the gap. And help people with all of the things they can take care of at home to take care of their teeth in a holistic, functional way, you know. And it just kind of takes some of that pressure and work off a dentist. A dentist can only do so much mm-hmm. in the office. So much of it is at home, and it's it's such a new topic for people. So yeah. uh, definitely something to look into if it's a new topic.
0: Where can people find you?
1: Uh, primarily, I'm on Instagram, the Holistic Dental Coach, uh, Root raise Rise. But if you type in the Holistic Dental Coach, you'll find me. I do a lot of education on there. I do private coaching too for people who just have more in-depth issues they want to work through, more guidance. And hopefully soon I'll have some self-guided um, self guided workshops Yeah, so that people can really dive in
0: for themselves. Sweet, sweet. And, we'll, and I'll make sure I get all that. Uh, make sure I got all the correct links and everything, but we'll put sure. obviously all that in the show notes and stuff so people can easily just click and find it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. This was great. I mean, I learned a, f- a few good things and and uh, about certain topics, and obviously as a reminder to myself, <laughs> I need to go get myself checked out.
1: <laughs> I do too. I mean, people are, who work in dentistry, they
0: <laughs> we're always our worst. Yeah. Patient,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. What's up?